الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فقد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أتل ما أوحي إليك من الكتاب وأقم الصلاة إن الصلاة تنهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون صدق الله العظيم وقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الصلاة عماد الدين أو كما قال صلى الله عليه وسلم صدق الله العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الحبيب الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين Respected ulama ikram elders brothers and friends in Islam a few nights ago many of us may have heard some type of lecture or bayan regarding mi'raj on this occasion of mi'raj rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam physically and bodily was taken up by by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first to Baytul Maqdis and that part of the journey is termed in Quran as Isra Allah says subhanallazi asra bi'abdihi laylan min al-masjid al-haram ila al-masjid al-aqsa alladhi barakna hawlah linuriyahu min ayatina the purpose of the journey was to show Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam some of the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the background to this was that Previous to this, Rasulullah sallallahu two pillars of support in his life, that was his beloved wife Khadija al-Kubra radiyallahu anha, and Abu Talib had passed away. So Khadija radiyallahu anha had given a full support to Rasulullah sallallahu in every way, financially, morally. She supported Rasulullah sallallahu and she gave her everything for the da'wat of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Abu Talib, even though he did not become a Muslim, he left the world as a kafir. This grieved Rasulullah wasallam. But nonetheless, he supported Rasulullah wasallam. And during his life, the kuffar were not bold enough to make attempts on the life of Rasulullah wasallam. So he was also a great pillar of support for Rasulullah wasallam. So as consolence for Rasulullah wasallam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took Rasulullah sallallahu on this journey of Mi'raj and he met Allah and he spoke with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On this occasion of Mi'raj, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed Rasulullah sallallahu with three favors, one of which was salah. And initially the salah was 50 as we have may, may have heard. And as Rasulullah sallallahu comes down and passes by Ibrahim salam, or rather Musa salam. Musa alayhi salam asks, what did Allah give you? Rasulullah sallallahu explains that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed me with 50 salah. So Musa alayhi salam says, no, I'm going to ask Allah for some reduction. It is too much. 
So like this Rasulullah goes back and forth between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Musa salam until it reaches five. And thereafter Musa salam says to him, go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and tell him that five is also too much because Bani Israel, Allah only gave them two salah to perform and that too they could not perform. So Rasulullah thereafter says that I'm feeling shy to go back because Allah is reducing five all the time. And now there is five left. If I go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah will reduce five more and that will be zero. It will be like as though I'm rejecting the gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And thereafter we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions these are five salah that are compulsory upon the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa person who performs it with due diligence and in the correct way, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward him, will give him the reward of performing 50 salah. So the salah in the life of a believer is something which is a fundamental aspect. You cannot fathom a mu'min, a believer without salah. That is why Rasulullah also mentions that the farq between us and them, yani the kuffar, is tarqus salah. A person who leaves out salah, then he is exactly as the kuffar. They do not have salah in their lives. Sometimes we think that the amal of deen, the actions of deen, the various ibadat are for the benefit of the akhirah only. But we don't understand that these a'mal, these actions of deen which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prescribed for us, are a great means of benefit for us in this world firstly. A person who acts and practices upon the sharia of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he will be benefiting himself in this world first. That is why we find zakat. A person who pays his zakat, calculates properly his zakat and pays his zakat, gives it to those who deserve it, then this is a means of protection of his wealth, number one, and also increase of his wealth. If we study Arabic, we'll understand that these root words, zakat, the root words, za, kaf, and ya, they can have two meanings. One is increase. It means increase. So a person who is giving zakat, outwardly is giving it away, but he's increasing his wealth. And the other is purification. So he's purifying his wealth such that it will be protected now. So benefit of zakat, not restricted to akhirat only. In this world a person benefits. Like that siyam, fasting, in about a month's time will be, less than a month will be the month of Ramadan. The fasting which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prescribed for us is a means of great benefit bodily, spiritually in this world. Before the akhirat. Akhirat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already promised, as-sawmuli wa ana ajzibi. Fasting is for me and I will give the reward for it. Some ulama explain it, that I will be the reward for it. There is no greater reward than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So benefit of fasting in this world also, before the akhirat. Similarly, salah. There is benefit of salah in this world before the akhirat also. A person walked in to the room of Mawlana Muhammad Yusuf rahimahullah al-Kandihlawi, the second Amir of Tabligh, he had a plate of food in his hand, what we term as salan. Salan is very watery curry. And that too in a plate, not in a bowl. So you can well imagine what balance a person must have to move with that plate and walk. So he's walking and he slips and the plate falls and breaks. So Hazrat looks at him and says that your salah is not correct. If your salah was correct, this would not have happened. So we haven't understood that the perfection of our life, 
that the correction of our life lies in salah. Ulama mentioned the person's salah is correct, inshallah his life will be correct. If a person is performing his salah in the correct way, then all the other commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for him to bring in his life will become very easy for him. Salah is the training for the entire life of a person. Ulama explained that when a person goes for fajr salah, then he is leaving his sleep. He is parting with his sleep. So this is some type of training for him, that I have to leave my sleep for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Zuhar and Asr, is leaving his business and job and going towards the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Maghrib time, he is with his family. Isha time, he needs some rest. So he is leaving all of this for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for the sake of the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why this is a training now, when other commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are directed towards him, then he will be able to fulfill those commands. When the command of Hajj comes now, he is already, his mind is already conditioned. I have to leave my wealth, I have to leave my, I have to part with my wealth, I have to part with my family and go for, the, for this journey of Hajj. So he will be ready to leave his shop and business. He will be ready to spend for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He will be ready to leave his family for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When the command of Jihad will come, then he will be ready to part with his life also for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a training. Salah is a training. Like that also, all the limbs of a person in salah are controlled. He cannot use it as he wants to. A person starts his salah, he cannot begin eating now. No drinking, no kalam, no talking. Like that also, the eyes are in certain, position, uh, certain places. Whilst he's in qiyam, he has to look towards his place of sajda. Whilst he's in ruku at his feet, in sajda towards his nose, when he's in the qada position at his lap, when the person is making salam, he has to look at his shoulders. So these are all training of the eyes. That if my eyes can be trained in salah, then out of salah they will not look at haram. Similarly, the ears of a person have, are being trained in salah. Whilst in salah, I have to concentrate on what the imam is saying. When he says, Allahu Akbar, I must also go down. When he says, Sami Allahu liman hamida, I must come up. Like that also the mind of a person is being conditioned. Sometimes you have a salah which is loud. You can hear what the imam is reading. Sometimes you have a salah which is silent. The imam is reading but silently, softly. So in that salah also a person, his mind has to be controlled. He has to be thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the mind is being controlled. The tongue is being controlled. You cannot speak in salah. You cannot read what you want to read in salah. In the qiyam you cannot read your duas. In the ruku you cannot read qiraat. So like this, the tongue of the person is being controlled and conditioned. So they are after, outside salah, he will be able to control his tongue. He will not swear anyone. He will not make qiba. He will not backbite. He will not speak lies. Outside salah, he will not listen to music because the ears are being controlled in salah. Outside salah, his mind will be controlled also. He will not think evil of other people. He will not have ill thoughts of anyone. So salah is a training for the entire body. But that only is if salah is performed in the correct way. And salah has this potential also to save a person from all types of evils. Allah says, وَاتُّمَا أُوحِيَ إِلَيْكَ مِنَ الْكِتَابِ وَأَقِمِ الصَّلَاةِ Establish salah. إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ تَنْهَا عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ Salah prevents from evil and lewd actions, shameful actions. This is the power of salah. A sahabi comes in the presence of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and he says, I have committed a sin. I have did something wrong. Close to zina. So what should I do? So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu tells him, Keep it silent, do not make it known to anyone, and join the salah. Allah will forgive your sin. Comes to Umar radiallahu anhu, same thing. 
comes to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi same thing. So Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi Allah tells him that performs. Have, are you performing salah with us? Do you perform salah in Jamaat? He says yes. He says then continue performing salah. Allah will remove this from your life. Allah will make it easy for you. So salah has the potential in it, the ability, the power to stop a person from evil. If our salah is not stopping us from evil, if a person is continuing to do some evil in his life, then concentrate on the salah. Make the salah correct, inshallah, a person's life will become correct. So these are things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. These are amal Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us to benefit us in this world, to keep us away. Salah will protect a person from the fire of Jahannam. Salah will collect his life in this world also. But that is if the salah is as it's supposed to be. The salah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The salah of Sahaba radiallahu anhu. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Perform salah as you see me performing salah. And what was the salah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? It was utter full concentration and devotion. When he started his salah, his mind was fixed upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also look into the lives of Sahaba radiallahu anhum, you will find the examples of salah. Abdullah bin Zubair radiallahu anhu, the grandson of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, when he used to perform salah, his salah was of such a caliber, he used to stand so still in his salah, that birds would now perch on his head. Imagine, bird, for a bird to perch and sit on a person is not something which is, uh, just happens like that. The man must be really still for him to be such that a bird comes and sit on, sits on his head. And he learned salah from Rasulullah sallallahu from Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, his grandfather. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu learned from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi So that is a perfect salah. A salah which can remove any difficulty in your life. Like this Rasulullah sallallahu showed us that a problem in the life of a person can be solved through salah also. In fact, these, this is a sabab, this is a means of removing difficulty which is yaqini. There is conviction in this. This is what was the way of Rasulullah sallallahu and sahaba radiallahu anhu. A sahabi is given a piece of land in lieu of his debt. And a barren land, nothing growing there, no water also. So what is the first thing he does? He takes out his musalla, puts it down, performs turakat salah, calmly makes dua, and then he calls his servant, dig in that place there, there will be water. The servant digs after some time the water comes out. So taking from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through salah, we have to learn this. We know how to take from people. We know how to approach others. But when, we are going, when are we going to learn to approach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and take directly from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We will only be able to do this if the salah is correct. Allah mentions, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ خَاشِعُونَ Successful are the believers, those who have khushu in the salah, concentration in the salah. And then Allah mentions in another surah of the Qur'an, فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ عَنْ صَلَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ يُرَعُونَ وَيَمْنَعُونَ الْمَعُونَ That destruction, woe be to those who reap their salah. What type of a salah? A salah wherein there is no remembrance of Allah. Where the person is totally ghafil and unmindful that he is in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the first things to be taken away from the ummah, as the hadith of Rasulullah mentions, is concentration in salah. A person will enter the jami'ah masjid. Nowadays we don't find any concept of jami'ah masjid in our country. But those who know India and other places know there is a concept such as a jami'ah masjid. All the other small masjids in the locality are closed for the day of Jummah, and everyone flocks to one big masjid. 
So Jamia Masjid, Rasulullah mentions you will go into a Jamia Masjid and you will not find a single person who has khushu and concentration in salah remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us. So how can we correct our salah to make it such a salah that will protect us from evil, be a means of protection for us in this world also. Physical protection, we need protection. People have security companies protecting their properties. They have alarm systems in their homes. They have guards by their houses. But there is something as protection in the Fajr Salah also. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, مَنْ صَلَّ الصُّبْحَ فَهُوَ فِي ذِمَّةِ اللَّهِ Person who performs his Fajr Salah, in the correct way obviously, that means in, in the masjid, with jama'at, then he is in the protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَلَا يَطْلُبَنَّكُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ ذِمَّتِهِ بِشَيْءٍ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, let it, let it not be that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seeks you out regarding his dhimma and protection in any way. If somebody troubles a person who is a fajr salah performer, a person who performing fajr salah, then who is going to come for him? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, according to the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi And whoever Allah seeks, yudrikhu. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will definitely seize and catch that person. So protection in salah. When will our salah be a means of protection for us? When will our salah be a means of us taking from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our need? Abu Mi'alaq, a sahabi of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi he was a porter. What do we say? Transporter. He used to take in goods for people from one place to another. So he's moving one day and he meets someone on the way. That person says, why don't you give me a lift? I'm going to a certain area. So Abu Mi'alaq says, I'm going in the same area, jump on. So this person accompanies him. When they come to some place, a fork in the road, so this person says, says to Abu Mi'alaq radiallahu anhu, why don't you take that way? Abu says, I don't know that way. He says, but I know it, I've used it many times. And uh, the grass, the, the land is fertile in that way, there is water and your animal can feed on, on the way also. So Abu Mi'alaq says that, well and good, we'll take this way. If it's shorter also, it's better also. So they continue and they come to a dead end where you see some corpse there, some bodies lying there. Abu Mi'alaq gets a shock. The man jumps off and now begins to threaten him. Jump off, I'm going to kill you and take all the goods away. So he says to him, just leave it like that. You take everything away and don't kill me, let me run away. So the man says, no, I'm going to kill you first and then I'm going to take everything away. So Abu Mi'alaq says, let me perform two rakat salah. So in that condition, turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the man allows him, he starts his salah. In that excitement or in that fear rather, he says, I couldn't, and I couldn't recall any verse of the Qur'an. I didn't know what to read. And then the verse of the Qur'an, flashes upon my mind. And thereafter I begin reciting this. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends an angel, or rather an angel from the fourth heaven, hears this cry of mine, this, this ayat of the Qur'an, and requests Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to assist me. And Allah sends an angel, and the angel kills this man. So to taking, taking from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through salah, we have to learn this. And our salah has to be correct. So how can we make our salah correct? There are a few things we can do. One is, alhamdulillah, we come into the masjid. The first thing we have to do is straighten the sufuf. In straightening the sufuf, we are fulfilling a sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And we are uniting the ummah. We are uniting the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah sallallahu mentions, or rather his sahabi says, Kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sufufana. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa used to straighten our rows. Hatta ka'annama yusawwi bihil qidah. 
as though straightening an arrow. For an arrow to fire correctly and hit the target, it has to be absolutely straight. And you have to have some reference for it which is absolutely straight to make that arrow straight. So the Sahabi describes the safs being so straight as though Rasulullah can take an arrow and straighten it on our backs. That's how straight the saf used to be. Once Nabi understood that we, have un- we, un- we know that the saf has to be straight, then he left it. One day he came out, he was about to he was about to say Allahu Akbar for salah. And he saw the chest of a man coming out of the saf. So what did he do? Nabi said, Ibadallah, O slaves of Allah, latusawunna sufufakum aw la yukhalifanna Allahu bayna wujuhikum. O slaves of Allah, you must straighten yourselves, otherwise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause discord amongst you. Allah will cause discord amongst you. Allah will make you fight amongst one another. So we don't understand what does the straightening of the row has to do with uniting the ummah. Maybe that's beyond our imagination. But these are the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi Straightening the saf is of utmost importance. When the saf is straight and there are no gaps in between, then shaitan does not find his way also. But if there are gaps in between the musallis, shaitan finds his way, stands there and begins to make wasawis and insinuations upon man and then puts the thoughts in his mind and makes him forget about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first thing is straightening of the sufuf. And in this, make sure that our heels are in line. The back of the leg must be on the line. And sometimes when we're performing salah, we go up, for one, once one rakat is finished, we come back for the next rakat, we find that our alignment is a little bit off. When you are driving on the road, if you're driving straight and you move out of the line, what do you do? You come back into the line. So in the same way, when we find ourselves that our feet have gone to a certain direction, back or front, make ourselves straight. We can understand it for the, 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 the worldly reason, but we don't understand it in our salah. So one thing is that we have to straighten our sufuf. The next thing is to make sure we start our salah. Make sure we begin our salah. Salah begins with takbir. When a person says, Allahu Akbar, then the salah has begun. You will find many musallis coming to the masjid. They make the intention of salah, and they raise their hands and fold their hands without anything coming on their lips or tongue. No mention of Allahu Akbar. One of the faraid of salah, arkan of salah, is to say Allahu Akbar. Ulama go to that extent, that some of them say fuqaha, that if a person does not say Allahu Akbar or recite Quran with something audible coming out from his mouth, then his takbir and his qirat is not valid. And the minimum is a person has to hear himself, not to disturb others. So this is one view, that a person has to say something such that he himself can hear himself. If he does not do this, his takbir is not valid, his qirat is not valid, and his salah has not begun also. So one is saying of the takbir, saying Allahu Akbar. Not just we come into the masjid, come into the safsi, raise our hands, fold it, without saying anything. A person has to say Allahu Akbar. Without saying Allahu Akbar, the salah has not begun. Maybe you have people performing salah for 40, 50 years in this way, where they're just raising their hands, folding their hands, and continuing in this way. This is not salah, salah has not begun. Other thing to be, uh, case to be taken is that sometimes you will find imams, they say Allahu Akbar. And they stretch the takbir. Make sure you don't say your Allah Akbar before the imam is finished. Because you have gone in front of the imam. You have said your takbir before the imam. You are not following the imam. The imam has to say Allahu Akbar in such a way, keeping the musallis in mind also. And the musallis, the muqtari, those who are following him, 
have to make sure that takbir is after the, with the imam or after the imam. Not before the imam. So this is one aspect. Saying the takbir in salah to begin our salah. The other is recitation of Qur'an, qirat. In the same way as you had to say the takbir, you have to recite Qur'an. It's not just that you recite in your mind. You will find people in salah, their lips are sealed. They're not reciting anything. This is not called qirat. This is not termed as qira, recitation of Qur'an. So if a person is doing this, then you must understand all the previous years of salah he was performing is not valid. Because there is no qirat. So a person must move his lips and tongue at least. Even if no sound is coming out, Allah give jawas for this. That the lips and the tongue have to be moving for the qirat to be valid. The next aspect is tajweed. We are performing salah for very long. But how many of us have corrected our recitation of qirat by someone, of Quran by someone? Go to some alim in your locality, in your area, and see if you are reciting correctly. Because sometimes a person can change one letter, and this can cause a vast difference in meaning. A huge difference in the meaning. To the extent that Fuqaha writes, it is mentioned in Shami, the book of Fatwa, that if a person goes into Ruku, not only the Qirat, also the Duas in Ruku, Sajda and everything, a person goes into his Ruku, and he says, Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim instead of Allah, then his Salah is faster than broken. So we need to learn how to recite the Duas also, Qirat also, very important. Another aspect, we'll terminate shortly, is that a person in his sajda, in sajda seven limbs have to touch the ground. The forehead, together with that the nose. So the forehead and the nose are regarded as one. Then the two palms, the two knees and the two feet. You will find people performing salah, they in sajda, but their feet are off the ground. If the feet are off the ground to the extent of subhanallah, or rather if the feet are off the ground for the entire duration of the sajda, then the salah is not valid. You will find people with their feet up off the ground and they're performing sajda in this way. Make sure that your feet are on the ground. Make sure that your forehead is on the ground. Not your head, the forehead. Together with that, the nose. This is a correct sajda. And the last aspect is ta'adilul arkan, that a person has to perform his salah with total composure. You will find people, their ruku and sajda is so fast that it's like the pecking of a crow, up and down. Where a person cannot even say subhanallah one time. If he, if, if, he was in his sajda or in his ruku and that was not as long as the duration of one subhanallah then the ruku is not valid, the sajda is not valid and like that also the postures in between the ruku and sajda in between the two sajdas after the ruku after the ruku is termed as qawma in between the two sajdas is referred to as jalsa if a person's body does not come to a rest in all these postures qawma, jalsa, ruku, sajda then his salah is Deficient, and if the salah is deficient, then we will be included in the verse which Allah says, Like this, a person, a sahabi came into the masjid, he performed his salah in this manner. Khalad bin Rafi' radiallahu anhu, Muhaddithin mentioned this hadith is termed as Hadith Musi' salah. He performed his salah so fast, Nabi Sallallahu told him, Return, go perform salah again. Two, three times. Thereafter, he asked Rasulullah, I don't know how to perform salah, you show me. So Nabi Sallallahu explained to him, Every posture you do in such a way that your body comes to total composure at rest, at ease. Then only your salah will be valid. So these are a few things to take note of in our salah, to make our salah correct. Once our salah becomes correct, inshallah, it will be a means of barakah and blessings for us in this world, akhirah. We will be able to take from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to solve the problems of dunya and akhirah. May Allah give us tawfiq wa